Welcome to DSR Podcast, Dating Sex Relationships. This is your host, Angel Donovan. The approach we take in this podcast to improving your dating life is very simple. It's one, to be very open-minded and get as many perspectives as possible that are valid, that are quality, so that we can put those together to get the best possible view of what works to improve your dating sex and relationships. Number two is that it should be practical and action-based. It should be takeaways, steps, tools that you can take away and apply in your life today. So look out for those practical takeaways in this episode that you can take home and start applying to change your life today. If you've been listening to this show longer than around three months, which is typically the amount of time it should take for you to really start improving this aspect of your life once you start applying quality information like that you find on this show, If you haven't started getting the results you're looking for, I strongly encourage you to check out our implant program. Why? Because it is designed to get you off your ass. It is designed to get you to implement new behaviors in as painless an approach as possible. It's never going to be completely painless and it's never going to be completely without discomfort because changing and learning is always about some kind of discomfort. But really, you should be looking at that as an adventure, as something exciting. Because when you introduce change into your life, often it ends up making things better for you. So you should be looking forward to that discomfort. Now, this program is not about studying. It's not about reading. It's not just about listening and then kind of going away and trying to apply stuff. And this program is very, very simple. You watch a short video. You learn one tool. You go away and you apply that one tool in a mission that we give you, and you come back and we give you the next part of the program. We give you the next step of the program, and you move through each step of the program step by step in small steps so that you really don't get too far out of your comfort zone, which means you avoid as much as possible the anxiety, the procrastination, and all of that stuff that's really holding most people back. Now, this is based on my 15 years of experience in teaching guys this stuff and finding out that really it's all about getting people to take action. Take those first steps, build momentum, take more steps and very, very quickly start changing your behaviors naturally just through having accumulated new experiences, which change the way you view the world and thus also start changing your behaviors, start getting you the results you're looking for. If it sounds like it's a good fit for you, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash implant, I-M-P-L-A-N-T, and get your ass kicked all the way to results now. Now to today's interview. We're taking a deep practical dive into developing what I'd call the intimacy and experiential dimensions of your sexuality and your experience of sex. So this is primarily relevant to people who are interested in relationships or they're already in relationships. However, as usual, I think this is all great stuff for everyone to learn in preparation. There are some great takeaways on how you may be looking at and approaching sex in a way that really limits your experience of it and the experience of your partners with it also. We'll be touching on Tantra as that is the origin of today's guest work, but we're also moving way beyond that as she has moved beyond traditional Tantra herself to explore the orgasmic experience. We're fundamentally getting past simply having an orgasm to a more profound and involved experience. If you don't know much about Tantra, it's probably a good idea to check out some of our previous episodes on Tantra. So you could check out episode 73, 
which was demystifying tantric sex and tantra, and then come back here to get the more advanced session. Today's guest is Diana Richardson. She's spent most of her life studying Tantra, what she sees as the union of sex and meditation. She started teaching to couples in 1993, so that's 22 years ago, over two decades of experience, and her first book was published in 1999. Now, if you check out Amazon, you'll see that she's a prolific writer on Tantra, on Tantric sex and human sexuality. She has seven books, and all of them pretty much have five-star ratings across the board, so her work is really appreciated. She leads seminars around the world, and she does this with a direct practical approach to teaching sex and meditation so that people, and in particular couples, can evolve their sexuality, their love, their intimacy, and their experience of orgasms. So as you know, we love practical stuff on this show. It's a great pleasure to have Diana with us. To get the links to the guest, the show notes, the transcript, and links to anything else we mention in the show today in a done-for-you format, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and pick out the episode there to get all the goodies. If you want all of that in your email inbox automatically every time a show comes out, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter. Pop your email in there and that way you'll make sure you never miss one of these episodes. Now let's get into this interview with Dinah Richardson. I'm Angel Donovan and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Diana, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Angel, for inviting me. One of the quotes I fell across in one of your books was that 50 years of sex is equal to 15 minutes of orgasm. Is that true? Um, no. Okay. Great <laughs> <laughs> start. It's more like this. No, I guess in a way you can say it's like this, but in a lifetime or no, in a year, we have, if we are lucky, 15 minutes of what we can call blissful experiences through sex. And if you think about how much time we spent obsessing about sex, thinking about sex, longing for sex, and then actually see these moments, these blissful or peak moments together, because an orgasm lasts a few seconds. You bring them together, it's 15 minutes per annum, if you're lucky. Okay, 15 minutes per annum. That's if you're having like sex every week, uh, three times per week or whatever the average is, I guess. Yes, yes. Okay, great. It's an interesting perspective because obviously we're thinking about sex quite a lot in our lives and it seems overemphasized given that we're pretty goal-orientated in terms of getting to this orgasm. Do you feel that's the same for men and women that we're very focused on this orgasmic experience, like these few seconds of orgasm? Yes, absolutely. And it's really like this. It's a conditioning. We are influenced by invisible forces around us. And we are conditioned through impressions uh, for what we see, especially now with porno, the visual aspect of sex. So this has made a very deep imprint in us that we think this is how humans behave sexually. And the basic belief is that sex equals a peak and a discharge experience. Now, 
of course, this uh, has a function and it's essentially a reproductive function so that semen is released. But in fact, a man only needs to ejaculate if he wants a child. Now, that's pretty... Um, most people don't think that sex equals sex unless they come or there's a peak in some way. So to bring more depth and sincerity and to be able to create, create love through sex, we need really to reevaluate the way we look at sex and how we are conditioned in sex and then start to almost like we've got a shell around us and start to gently crack that shell and bring in a whole new vision of sex. And it's not something we can just switch on and off because we're in the pattern, we're in the habit for decades of having sex in a certain way. But when we start to experience the value of not rushing for that experience, normally we man enters woman and boom, you just go for the end. If you learn how to postpone that, or even don't have that, you start to find that really sex becomes something like deeply nourishing, deeply fulfilling. It creates a lot of harmony in the relationship. So this um, goal orientation, yeah, it's deeply in our psyche. And then the psyche pushes the body. So often we think, oh, my body wants it, but it's really in the psyche. So it is of value for a man for a woman, for a couple to start to explore other avenues in sex other than what we can call the conventional. What would you think drives us towards this goal-orientated sex today? If there were a list of five things in our lives today which you feel are particularly to blame for driving us towards this, and do you feel like, I know maybe two centuries ago it wasn't the same and it is really something that's occurring more in the modern world? Um, I can't say that, but what I can say, it is a conditioning. It's not what we are doing. It's some very, very deep imprint in our psyche. So you don't feel it's natural? It's not like we're born no. with this? Okay. No, we have the capacity, but we get to, like say in the, in the case of man, of course he has the capacity to ejaculate and with that comes semen. And so for reproduction, that function was necessary. But what we've stayed as a humanity is really stuck in that reproductive phase and function of sex where there's always a downward discharge of vitality, and specifically for men, the capacity to create a life. Now, you don't need to create a life every time you have sex. So what's happened is that this um, wanting this peak of energy and then a discharge of energy is um, really deep in every thought and cell. So certainly things like survival stress, tensions, this all increases the level of stress. And then, of course, more in the case of men than women, sex starts to be used as a channel for discharging other stresses and tensions, not actually anything to do with sexual vitality. So you can't say boom, 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 boom. It's just that I've been working with couples for 23 years now, and every single person is conditioned in this way. Look, 99.9%. There are some people who slip through and who are naturally more present. And that is the thing that we are missing in the conventional sex. Is that because there's a goal, one's always ahead of oneself. It can be even a millisecond, but you basically focused on building up intensity and sensation. So there's a lack of presence because you're ahead of yourself, you have a goal. So there's a high level of absence. Whereas actually the way nature designed the body is that we have other options. 
the sexual energy, the vitality does not need to go downwards. That's a habit, that's a pattern, that's a conditioning. The way the body is designed is for energy to rise again if we don't discharge it. So it becomes a question of really investigating this very, very strong pattern for this sensation and for this intensity. And my feeling is many people, that's the time in their life where they feel the most. So it's quite difficult to disconnect from that or be open to other possibilities because it challenges very, very deep beliefs. Right, right. So in your experience, I mean, what have you seen that flips a guy to start thinking about this differently from being goal orientated or being even technique orientated, which is mostly about like, there's a lot we hear a lot about, for example, um, techniques to get orgasms and things like that. So again, it comes back to this goal orientation. What in your experience have you seen are the other kind of the big things that flip men to start thinking about your approach to it or thinking differently about it and being open to change to, to look beyond that? Yes. Well, I must say I do work with couples. At the same time, I have a lot of contact with, with single men and so on, and not personally, but in my field. Very often with a couple, it's because there's a complete breakdown in the sexual communication. People don't have really stop having sex. And this is really a symptom of conventional sex because we start out all hot and horny and we just go for it. We pump it, we peak it, and then eventually the whole thing burns out. People, you know, men will come like, my God, my woman doesn't want to make love with me anymore. Women lose interest tremendously in sex after this initial opening. And it's not because women don't like sex or women are not open for sex, but uh, women's body is very different to man's. It needs more time. So women need much more time, A, before man enters her, and B, really to lengthen the act. Uh, then man really starts to feel, wow, my woman is more open. I feel a lot more. So men are very limited in their experience through what they create conventionally with women. Other factors why uh, men are interested is because of premature ejaculation or impotence. Now, premature ejaculation is very prevalent and getting more so, and that's a lot to do with uh, the tension in our society around sex. And also this belief again in that sex equals intensity and building up and stimulation. So when when the excitement gets too high, it just peaks out and then there's the discharge. Now, another thing that men become aware of is that after that discharge is a tremendous loss of energy. So for like these few seconds or and the moments leading up to it, the minutes, one is like totally plugged in and then you come and then boom, it's just like, what was that all about? So there's a feeling of disconnection, not wanting to relate to the woman anymore. Women feel kind of abandoned, lonely. There's a lot of sadness. So some men do recognize the loss of energy and um, with impotence. Now, this is... Um, Again, you know, this real stress that man has to have an erection, man suffers tremendously from performance pressures that affect every act or every action as he makes love. And one of the performance stresses is this having an erection and having to have an erection before sex is possible. However, there is also possible to put a penis in in his relaxed state. So these kind of things really open doorways for men that They don't have to first get horny, have an erection, maintain an erection, excite their woman, make her come, 
hopefully before he comes. So man's on a really big agenda, knowingly, unknowingly. So that it just, now, interesting with this uh, erectile dysfunction, because with the introduction of porn, okay, it's always been in magazines, but now with the internet, it's so much more available that boys are beginning to see it younger and younger. And so different to my generation was that I, I didn't see sex before I had sex. Now we have a whole generations of people growing up who see sex before they have sex. And this makes a big impact, you know, especially on this sensation and this uh, almost an addiction to the sensation, to the coming, to ejaculating. But it's um, very uh, destabilizing as an ongoing practice. Okay, once in a while is fine. The fact is, is that erectile dysfunction, it used to be something, I was reading recently, it used to be something that, you know, was experienced by men from time to time over 40, and then, of course, 60 and so on more often. But now it is happening in boys of 18 years old, of 20, 25. So in other words, when when the genitals are just like used purely for sensation, they go numb on themselves. So man then becomes like an incapable of just responding in a natural, energetic way to a woman or in a certain situation. So there are, especially the sex addiction at the moment, it's a lot of marriages are suffering from that, that men is in, in his study or whatever, watching porno, and woman is hanging in watching television or reading a book or something. So this misunderstanding about sex and lack of education in sex is a tremendous disturbance in, in we can say, really the fabric of our society because every individual is born as a sexual being. It's nature's way. This is how we reproduce. But there's no education to support that. So this is really why I call what I do adult sex education, reinforming adults of the potential of the body that's built in by nature. It's not so much about the mind and the visuals and the stimulation and so on. It's more to come down to the body and access its intelligence there. So um, what makes a guy interested in changing? Well, there's also the thing is how many thousands of times, thousands of times do you do the same thing again and again? And it's just like an adventurous spirit, like who am I if... And the um, main thing that I have become aware of through teaching couples and, you know, certainly in my own life, which was the starting point, the more people make love in a conscious way, because that is what's missing in our society and sex. It's not very conscious. People are very involved, totally plugged in, but it's very much in routines and patterns. So when people make love in a conscious way, like really from the present, really listening to the body, really understanding male energy, female energy, how they're different, then so harmony is possible between couples and so many couples find love again. So we're missing a whole aspect of the human potential because we focused on this building up and discharge. And the field that I'm involved in is really how to not build up to a peak, how to contain the energy so that it recirculates through the body and then becomes an it's like you nourish yourself. You don't create another life. So it's quite a shift in perspective. And like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It does require a little bit of experimenting, perhaps a bit of studying, reading material or watching fil say my film, just to start to change 
the way we see sex and crack that little pattern of conditioning. Oh, it's not so little. It's uh, quite deep. But it's so interesting, Angel. Yeah, thank you for all of that. You know, I had a lot of thoughts as, as you were going through that. So I want to ask you a few more questions about that. You know, you've outlined a lot of reasons we and a lot of situations for the guys at home that I'm sure a good part of them can relate to. So one is the thing, if I'm thinking about this kind of goal orientation and the high, I, I think today there's a fair amount of drug use today if we look at it more broadly. Okay, so if we look at coffee, alcohol, the other drugs as well, I, I think it's kind of mainstream, right? Everyone's taking something to feel better. Uh, during the day to kind of give them that extra pump, whether it's caffeine or, or or something a bit more potent. And it strikes me that like potentially this view towards sex is like coming from the same place. In a sense, it's an addiction to the high. Because if you take all of the porn use, you're talking about the 18 and 25 year olds, they're, they're getting used to masturbating at a young age and getting used to this high, right? And I know in some cases, it's, it's many, many times per day. And they get into this routine of getting highs, right? Just to, just to, to feel good, to get that, that high keep coming. So one of the things I think it's going to be hard for some guys, especially if it's a very frequent habit and it's a frequent thing that they're looking for. And they, as you've said, they go kind of condition themselves towards it because you want you've been doing it for a long time. Um, it's like me. I can't quit coffee. I'm just like hopeless when it comes to that because I love it so much. Me too. Um, I'm very conditioned. <laughs> I don't think coffee is so bad to be addicted no. to. But in this case, you've, you've outlined <laughs> a lot of problems um, with being addicted to the high of orgasming. I can see it's going to be difficult for a lot of guys to kind of let go of that. Have you found that in your experience? Potentially with younger, I don't know if you've been working with younger couples versus some of the older couples, 40s and so on, there might be a difference. You know, certainly it is a shift from sensation to sensitivity. And, you know, sensation is much more like on the circumference, sensitivity is really in the core. And so it can be difficult for a man to learn to feel himself on a more or more deeper level. But I've been doing workshops like I said, for over 23 years, I do a seven-day workshop. And that's not because I like to keep people for seven days, but it's because really in seven days I can anchor a person in a new way inside their body. So sex is an addiction and there are people who are dealing with this aspect. So, yep, and people feel very lonely in that addiction and really separated. And so I think a lot of people would like to come out, but there's no real positive input about sex other than what we see in the conventional. So in other words, um, men don't know really of other options. It's uh, tremendously sad, tremendously sad that there's so much potential because when we, we sink from sensation into sensitivity, then we can access the intelligence of the body. Then energy flows between man and woman without us having to do so much. So there's other things embedded in there. There's this thing of, you know, we're very conditioned to in doing, not in being. We're conditioned in thinking, not in feeling. So regrettably, it's not a switch. One can just say, okay, I don't want this, I want this. But like all addictions, uh, it, especially the heavier ones, it requires quite a lot of application to, to quit. Yeah, I was thinking of a couple of other, other implications. Um, we're talking about habits and conditioning. So a lot of people, men and women, have ways they like to come. They found a way that works for them. And I know I've been guilty in, in some of my relationships where we find this way that works for both of us. You can get into a routine with that sometimes because I was thinking maybe the people at home could recognize that they, if they have this preference for one approach versus a more open kind of flowing experimentation that might be a sign 
that this is affecting them negatively. And maybe in the short term, it doesn't have such an impact. But for sure, we can all admit that if we get into this routine, then it starts, no matter if that routine is giving both of you great orgasms and so on, after a while, it's always going to get old. Would you say for people who have found these kind of patterns, I mean, they have to kind of let go of them, right? My favorite approach to this, so like a guy, he might always like a certain position, right? Some guys always like to be coming from behind, for example, but some guys aren't able to come unless they're in a certain position and and women also. So is it letting go of those kind of patterns and and having the, I don't know, the the longer term perspective to start experimenting to explore again? Uh, Yes, it is. And it's not like you can let go of those patterns overnight, but you can certainly postpone them. You can certainly make love for three, four hours and then go into your special position and come. Part of it is about the length of time. Human beings don't make love for long enough because we just get in there and go for it. So it's about becoming more present, more here now, taking it moment by moment, no fixed agenda, and just to be more human with each other, more open to each other, open to yourself. And um, yeah, like I say, you can always have come eventually if you want to. And at the same time, it's also very interesting, but this can be down the road to like, how do I feel if I don't come? What I want to say, you said something about younger people. Maybe I'm going back a question or two, but the younger people, as far as sensitivity goes, they can regain it more quickly than older people because they haven't been so long in the practice. Yeah. But of course, boys are starting at that much earlier. We've had other other people come on the podcast before and we've spoken about the younger generation. And I know like in our coaching also, I find that the younger generation, say they're in their 20s now, you know, they've grown up with internet porn and stuff. So they've grown up with this habit already. Whereas when I was a teenager, we just didn't have that access to that. So they've grown up in this new environment. You've added this positive perspective that I haven't heard before that when you're younger, it's easier to turn around. Well, yes, certainly. And I also noticed that with the sexual conditioning, like younger couples, the youngest couple I've had is like 19 and 20. The oldest couple I've had is 78 and 82. And yeah, um, yeah amazing. Um, and it's always... It's never, never, too, never too late to start. Absolutely. And um, the younger the couple, the easier it is for them to let go of the conditioning. Or just to like try something else. But as we get older, you know, the ego gets stronger. We get more and more identified, more and more afraid of trying something new. But so certainly I've noticed as far as conditioning goes, the young ones, they flip back and they can see the value. They experience the value for them. It's like, oh, not coming. No problem. (laughs) Whereas an an older man will fight for his right to come. (laughs) Okay. That's something you've actually seen? It's kind of like a pattern. You've seen the older the guy is, the more he will fight for. Because that conditioning is so deep. Sex equals coming. And to kind of, maybe you don't want to come for this week. You know, so for some men, of course, I'm talking generally, this spins them out. But we always say, if you want to come, we don't teach any or advise any kind of sexual repression of coming. In other words, if you want to come, you come. You don't try and this point of no return repress, point of no return, repress. You know what I mean? This is really unhealthy because there are a lot of techniques, Taoist techniques to stop the ejaculation at a certain, when are you just about to come? It is not good. It just adds tension to tension. Oh, that's interesting. So you mean like the Kegel exercises? The Kegel exercises, as I understand them, is more for women, uh, but I might be completely wrong with toning the vaginal muscles, but there is this thing you can push into the perineum and block 
the tubes and block the cum. There's different techniques, but uh, people think that's like enhancing the experience. But in the long term, it's a short term blast, but it's creating a lot of congestion in the genitals. But I wanted to go back to your question, Angel, about um, coming, uh, orgasm, because actually in the tantric field, um, and I haven't really defined that yet, and I will, we bypass the orgasm because that's a downward flow of energy. So it's not like we bypass it. We just don't create the circumstances for it to happen because it's a very consciously created thing, this coming. We really know how to do it. We know the ingredients and we, like you say, we have a, a routine to come. So in a way, we have to unwind that and just bypass it. And then when you contain the energy and learn just to relax and be in sex and really like letting the genitals talk to each other, then one can have what is called an orgasmic experience. And this is something very, very, very different to an orgasm. Because an orgasmic is like when you become pure energy, totally dissolved with everything in pure peace and harmony. And many of us have had that experience uh, alone in nature, different situations, but very rarely do we have that in sex. So that is the potential of the body is this orgasmic state. And it's again, it's not something you can say, I want to have an orgasmic state. It's more through awareness, through being present, through being conscious that you create the situation for one to arise. Now, when you've had one of those, it fulfills you. It'll stay with you for the rest of your life. You can just close your eyes and feel it. So there is this shift from orgasm to orgasmic, but you cannot make orgasmic a goal. Just on the, on the kegels uh, to follow up, I mean, a lot of people talk about kegel exercises for men. I, th I think it's just the same area where you're preventing yourself. Maybe you have a different word for it. No, actually, I think basically what you're talking about is it's a pelvic uh, floor exercises, exercises yes. for the area, the whole mesh of muscles and that surrounding the genitals and so on. I didn't know they were for men also. This is healthy to tone the area, but it, again, it's how you do it, not to just squeeze and be mechanical because... Already we lack sensitivity down there. So it makes no sense just to be thinking about something else and tighten, relax, tighten, relax, tighten, relax. If you do it consciously and really pull up very slowly in five, seven seconds and then relax very slowly in five, seven seconds and do a repetition of those. Now, this is healthy. The other thing is, is that because we have a lot of unconscious tensions in the body, one of the areas we carry a lot of tension is in the pelvic floor. So most people, if you take your awareness to the pelvic floor, you'll find, oh my God, I'm holding it up. So relax it again and again during the day, also when you make love. So to start to bring a new perspective into sex also requires generally being more conscious in the body during the day or anything that you do, because in that sense, as, as humans, we've become really mechanical. And this shouldn't be anything new for anyone, because there's a lot of, we hear a lot about meditation. We've spoken about meditation here and building more presence in our lives, helping to de-stress and so on. And the modern life is more stressful and so on. So for a lot of people, this is this pretty mainstream information about us not being as present today. It shouldn't be like a real shock. Yes, but to bring that, pull that into sex, it's another level. Right. Right, right, right. So they're not aware that it's taking place. Oh, yes, I see what you mean, because I said about uh, be more present in life in general. Yes, absolutely. It's becoming more globally accepted. However, you're saying this is really essential to sex and it's going to transform it to an orgasmic experience. So I wanted to talk a little bit more how 
How can we understand what orgasmic experience uh, to give people a real perspective of what it is they're missing out? So one thing you said was it will change the way you look at life if you just have one of those. So it sounds like a meditative, like people talk about these kind of experiences with meditation, other things where it's actually like you're saying a, a sexual experience could be something that changes your life where I think a lot of people are having sex today. Wouldn't say that, you know, one of their sexual experiences has changed the way they look at things or they think back to that and it's changed the, the way they view things anyway. Is that appropriate? Are you, is that what you're saying? Actually, what I said was, is that if you have an orgasmic experience, you can feel it for the rest of your life. Okay. What does that mean? In other words, it's recorded in your body, as, in the cells as light. When you have an orgasmic state, it's not about the other person. It's about you. You, deep, you relax very, very, very deeply into the body, into the present, and, and learn just to to be in the senses. And that's when they will arise. Um, when you just, there's not much ego. It's not like I want, I need. One's very natural. One is honoring the body. One's not imposing anything on the body. And then there's no time. One slips out of time. So you go very deep into yourself when you go into this timeless state, which can last five seconds, five hours, 15 hours. The quality is always the same. You can recall it. You can consciously recall that experience and you will feel it vibrating in the cells. So it stays with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, still trying, still trying to make this a bit more practical for people at home uh, in terms of them trying to get their head around it. I mean, the way I look at this is like, I think I've had the kind of experiences you're talking about. I've, I've done orgasmic meditation where I've had these kind of experiences. And I've also just made love with girlfriends and being open to some of the practices without having looked at your work, but having looked at other places, uh, some of the practices I see from some of your books, then connected with someone. And we've had these deeper experiences and longer lovemaking sessions. So the way I see it is kind of like your mind goes to this new place that you haven't experienced before. So it's, it's a feeling. And once you've been there before, you kind of know where it is. It's a bit like meditation. As you grow, you, you practice your meditation. One day you manage to get to a new place. And now that you've found it, you're able to go back there and you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, where the reference is. Is, it, is that something you're talking about in terms of it changing the way you look at things going forward? You know, you have this reference orgasmic experience. Um, I would not say it's like an essential experience to have in the beginning. It's something that will happen in time if you sincerely practice in the way suggested. It's just that even to relax in sex, and to be there is so nourishing. So again, it's not to make an orgasmic experience a goal again, but I'm just saying that's the potential of the body, which is beyond the mind, beyond the psyche, but it needs that we are more conscious in the body and present in the body. And as you do that, orgasmic experiences to the side, but as you become more present, less focused on the goal, you will see how it, you feel so different about yourself as a person about your day, about people around you, about your partner. You're just much more loving person and more tolerant, more patient. So it has a lot of impact. Now, it is difficult to try and convince somebody's mind to try something new. If the mind wants to know everything before we step into something, it's just not going to work. It's one of these things that can only really be tasted through experience. <laughs> So one of the things you mentioned was that it's longer in terms of duration. How long would you say it is compared to? Oh, it, it can be anything. Three hours and upwards, two hours and upwards. I mean, my longest was 13 hours. I spent three weeks in bed once making love constantly. So <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Is that a world record? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't checked the Guinness book. 
<laughs> during that time, did you kind of lose lose yourself? Or were you present all the time, you would say? Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely plugged into the present moment. There was no there was no time, there was no day, there was no night. So, no, occasionally one had to have pee breaks and so on, and maybe <laughs> something liquid at least. <laughs> Eat food. <laughs> so definitely one can extend the time indefinitely. So really it's a matter of choice. And also it doesn't necessarily have to, you can just stop anytime. You can just say, okay, well, we have an appointment now. We need to go out. Thanks. Lovely. Have a kiss and finish. It's not always has to finish with a bang. And that is the interesting part for people to explore because it's through that, that one, um, one starts to then, my God, I feel different as a person. Now I was early thirties when I started this, I was living in India and, uh, Ran into some information and then thought, oh, I'm going to try. And honestly, I was so blown away how different I felt as a person, uh, just in the smallest of ways. And that's what kept me going, not because I had any grand orgasmic experiences in the beginning. So that is the difficulty when one, when one is in a field, like say, for instance, I'm a supposedly Tantra teacher. And through teaching and one gives people a new perspective, a new vision to grow into, then one subtly creates goals, but that is so difficult to avoid. So for a couple, for a person to start an individual is just to be more present, not to build up the sensation, to keep relaxing, to breathe deep, to have eye contact, to relax the women, the vagina, men to relax the anus and the perineum, women and not to be so... So yeah, so you're talking about some of the, the, the practical things people should do if they want to start practicing this. Yes. Say someone's been convinced that this is something that's going to help them for the, all the reasons we've been discussing. What would be the first steps you would encourage a guy to try? Maybe some exercises? Um... <laughs> well, usually I have people in my presence when I'm working with people, but it's definitely take people into the body. And we have this, again, a conditioning that when we're next to somebody, you know, the opposite sex or whatever, our attention is totally on them. There's very little attention in ourselves, maybe in our thoughts, but not actually physically in a sensual level in the body. So the first thing is to really come back to oneself, be comfortable with oneself. How do you do that in practical terms? Is it you put your focus on parts of your body or? Yeah, so it's good to look into your body. Mm hmm and find a place that's easy for you to feel. Now, 95% of people can do that. Because, oh, it's my solar plexus feels good. Oh, it's my heart. It's my belly. It's my back, your low back. Find a place that you feel like anchors you in the body. And then start to, whenever you notice you're in, you're in thought, to come back to that. And so you start to not be so much in thinking, but more in feeling and, and in the senses. So when you say anchoring, it means stopping you from wondering, thinking, and you're able to just focus on the sensation. Exactly. So in other words, basically the way we are as humans, we are bodies carrying around minds. Now this is the wrong way around. We need to be minds that are lodged in a body, but it's really the mind is overemphasized. So there's very little body awareness, body consciousness. Everybody's talking where there's not much backflow going into one's own body. We're very happy to talk. We're not so happy to listen. So the first thing is for when I work with couples and also women on their own, I used to do groups for singles, I don't anymore, but is to, to go back into your own body as the starting point, because that's the bridge, not the mind. And that body is the bridge to the present moment. So if you really want to be present, 
you don't think about being present. You sink into your body and your body is present. I mean, it is here. You can stroke it right now. It's here. So the, your body is the bridge and the body is the bridge also to our high experiences, but it always goes over the body. I mean, I don't know if you remember this Genesis song, I think it was, you've got to get in to get out. And it's really a reality. If you want to get out, go beyond yourself, you've got to get into yourself. Practically speaking, a person needs to have more awareness, how they walk, how they stand. If you're talking to somebody, stand on both legs. Don't stand on one leg. This moves you out of the present moment. Keep relaxing men, the pelvic floor, and bring the awareness into the perineum, especially. Basically, you want a global body awareness, but keep anchoring because this uh, perineum area for man is what we can call in Tantra the male positive pole. And this is where energy is raised in a man. And this is not to do with getting horny and excited, but this is how man accesses his sexual energy is in the perineum or how it's raised, we can say. The perineum is like an, a knotty tendon in the center of the pelvic floor that all the muscles come to form. And it's like directly in front of the anus in men and women. So with women, it's a little space between anus yes. and vagina, entrance of vagina, and men, if you if man just feels up, there's like this knotty area. Is it between the anus and testicles, right in that midpoint? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So if you contract, like you're stopping the flow of urine, and then you put your finger there, just in front of the anus, you'll feel like a little knot, and that's the that's the perineum, it's a little knot of muscles. So the pelvic floor muscles are like a parachute, and it pulls up into the central tendon. So that's an important place to relax day by day. And for men, as an anchor point, that's, that's really very good. Also good is to scan the body. You know, we have so many unconscious tensions in the body, the jaw, the shoulders, the belly, the solar plexus, genitals, as I mentioned before. Just keep softening the body, softening the body. Because every time we do that, we increase the consciousness in the body. Also, when making love, if the bottom is tight, the buttocks are squeezed up, you know, and man is pushing the anus, tightening the anus, relax it. This helps him much more to contain his vitality. Also, when man enters woman, not just to push into her, always use some kind of lubrication. Uh, go in very, 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 very slowly. And this really helps a woman to relax, to open, to feel and receive man. But if man is just pushing himself into woman, she's defending and the vagina, you see, she's designed to receive the penis. You look at her form, you look at the penis form. One's a canal, one's a conduit, one's a receiver. So we're actually not using the genitals in these forms at all. We're using them more like joysticks, you know, rubbing, friction, stimulating, not as conduit and receiver in a complementary fashion. One of the things I read in your book, which I think captures what you've been talking about now, becoming more aware of our bodies and so on, is you said presence and awareness are more important than positions. Yes. Which, of course, is very counterintuitive for versus the mainstream, where all our magazines are talking about different positions and so on. Yeah, but if you just switched off and mechanical in a position, it doesn't change the position. What makes a position is who is in the position. If a person is in the awareness, then any position is great. But, you know, conventional sex is just, uh, <laughs> it's very superficial, shall we say. And it's not accessing the deeper part of us as humans. And as a result, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, unhappiness, misery. Yeah, with this basic force of life. So when one starts to bring more awareness there, then, yeah, you get to know yourself 
better. You understand yourself better. You understand men. You understand women. You understand what sex is really about. And that is life-changing. Like I said, I started early 30s. I had no idea that I would end up being able to, to do what I do. It was just that through the little shifts that happened over many years, that suddenly I was, well, suddenly, longly, I was viewing the whole thing from like a completely, completely different perspective. Then people started to ask me about it because I was living in a certain situation where people were aware of what was going on. And, and I found it really easy to talk about. Actually, I was a bodywork teacher prior to that. So body and me are one family. And um, What is a bodywork teacher? Body work in, is in um, deep tissue work, reflexology, therapeutic massage and so on. Okay, yes. deep tissue massage. And so like I that. was body connected. So anyway, I found I could talk quite easily about the, the subject. And then that kind of like, I decided to write a book and see if I, whatever, whatever. So one thing led to another. So it's not like I went somewhere and trained. It was just through putting very small pieces in place in the fundament and the foundation this then just very slowly over years had a completely different, just changed my life in, in different ways and evolved into now, you know, written six books and teaching people for over 20 years and extremely successfully. And, and I'm not interested in success. Oh, success is nice, but it's not success per se I'm talking about. It's success in the sense of people responding to a certain body of information. And so when I started 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I had for a week, two, three couples. And I was in Europe. I had just come from India. And there was a lot of Tantra in the field. Could you compare yourself to Tantra? Because we hear a lot about Tantra. And I think it's very varied from what I've seen. So it's been, well, the word Tantra, I feel, has been abused. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of marketing. And so there's all sorts of things out there that people could come across. Do you consider yourself Tantra or, or do you basically just consider yourself, what what you are doing, and it's kind of unique and independent. I would say it's unique, and that's why um, in Europe I've found a niche and it's just overflowing. But I would go so far as to say it's original Tantra. It's the original. Right. You feel that it's, it comes from the roots. Yes, it's it's the basic human design. And I do agree with you that there's a lot of misinterpretation of Tantra, a lot of abuse through Tantra, a lot of misunderstanding in the Tantric field, also with teachers. There's always this conventional edge to it, somewhere between the lines. So um, certainly I evolved through self-practice. Also, I did have inputs from two spiritual masters, not personal inputs, but uh, written inputs. It was something that really just grew very, very organically and with a lot of revelations and insights along the way. But then later getting confirmation on my insights. For seeing the success of your students? I don't know if you call them students. As I was evolving my experience, then I'd have an experience and then I'd read it with one of my masters and it's like, ah, okay. So recognizing like the landmarks as I was going along. But from the success with the students, like I said, two, three Couples I started with, you know, I work with my partner as well. And honestly, I discovered that what we were doing, nobody else is doing. And then I watched four couples, five couples, six, seven, eight. And interesting was it was just like amidst this big field, 1993 it was, of Tantra, it's even bigger now, that people who, who had done everything in the Tantric field were coming and just finding a totally uh, new dimension. And and I have to say that I'm amazed today what's happening. Like I do 
nine retreats a year. And everyone has... And these are all seven, seven days? All seven retreats. days. And everyone has 50 people, 25 couples. And people have to book a year in advance or get on a, wait, a long waiting list. So so what, I mean, what happens at these... Yeah, well, that's another subject. <laughs> okay. People are going to be curious. Is it practical? Like, um... Yeah, uh, very, very practical. Very practical. And right. um, the special, everyone has their private room. Okay. Firstly, there's no nudity. There's no personal exposure. Mm. We do in a very professional way. You are committed to your couple for the week. We do stuff with the body, each one individually, like this anchoring that I was telling you about, and certain Tai Chi and certain, you know, to bring people more present in the body. We do dancing, which is nice. Then we have a talk every day, just putting in some keys and changing a little bit the perspective. And over seven days, we take it through a whole change in vision but so you kind of give them homework to go back to their rooms. yes exactly then they get homework and they have some time to do that so it's very practical every day one built on the other so a couple of the main things that come from your books is, is two concepts i picked up were the slow sex obviously you got the whole book about that and you have the love keys could you give us a quick overview of what those are and what they mean you know, I've written six books now, and they all basically, the material is the same. It's just more the perspective. So The Heart of Tantric Sex was the first book, and that's really for couples. And The Love Keys is part of The Heart of Tantric Sex. And these are very simple keys to help to bring you into the awareness. Eye contact, the breath, touch and caressing, awareness in the genitals, less goal orientation. Slow sex is, again, the same information, but written from a different perspective that, that talks to different people. That's more, they're called metabolic enhancers, universal metabolic enhancers. And I didn't know that I was involved in those until I read a certain book. But there's certain things like awareness, presence, relaxation, all these kind of things that, that change your experience. And they're known as universal metabolic enhancers. So the slow sex book is written through more through those windows. Whereas Heart of Tantric Sex is written more through, okay, now we're a couple and we're going to try these different love keys. So it's a matter of which window. I, I did write a book for women, again, from the women perspective. I wrote a book for men and that uh, called Tantric Sex for Men. And this I can really recommend men to read. It's written with my partner, Michael. And um, that is from the male perspective, really giving him a new vision of of sex, of his penis, what a wonderful instrument it is, how to use it in a way that conveys energy, that channels energy, how to access his woman on a deeper level. Right. So some of the love keys contained in your heart of uh, tantric sex, uh, we've already spoken about one of them was genital consciousness, right? Uh, which is talking about the perineum. And there's a few others which I think people could relate to. Eyes and breath, I think, are Somebody of us wants to. So you basically go into how to use these aspects of our senses to uh, connect with the other person. Is it kind of the goal and, and feel more present in ourselves? Yes. I mean, with eyes, often we're making love in the dark or with closed eyes. So that easily leads to fantasy and absenting oneself in different ways or thinking about dinner. Or <laughs> um, when we're closing our eyes, you mean? Well, well, with closed eyes, it's easier to fantasy. Because it's kind of funny. There's kind of like a standard, right? to have your eyes closed when you're making love, which is a strange standard, <laughs> now that I think about it. But I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that before. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like in the films, and it, it seems like there's some kind of silent standard there. Is that what you found? Um, absolutely. 
And certainly through opening the eyes, you become more present, you become more connected. And also the eyes connect us more to love and the heart. But we do teach a certain way how to use the eyes. And that is like what we call soft vision or receptive vision. You know, normally when we look, we're looking out of ourselves. We look at something and it's to reverse the vision that something looks at you. In other words, the tree looks at you or the flower looks at you instead of you look at the flower. So, And that really opens the heart and makes more present, makes one feel more kind of like vulnerable, which is good because then you're more open to yourself and the other person. Breath, breath bridges is a very powerful tool. Um, it bridges from mind to body. There's nothing quite so fast. But the fact, the point is to keep the awareness on the breath long enough. But through just uh, consciously breathing, no special breathing, just taking it deep downwards to belly, to genitals, you know, in that direction, that's a tremendous help. These are the kinds of things you could practice with, with your partner. One of the concerns I had was that, which I mentioned just before we started, was say I'm a guy and I'm, I'm interested in this and I'd like to practice this. However, the, the girl I'm with, she's very used to the, the traditional goal-focused approach of getting to orgasm. How do I breach this topic with her, start communicating or, or leading her or asking her to join me on this, this new journey, this little exploration? Yeah, it, it really depends if it's somebody that one has a kind of a long-term or even, you know, that one is together with or if one is just, you know, having a one-night stand. Obviously, with a one-night stand, it's more difficult. But I think if a man just in himself tries to be more present and connecting with the woman, this will slow the woman down, also bring her back. So this is actually the power of presence. It's not 100%, unfortunately, but if one person is present, then quite naturally, the other person comes more here now. So if it's like you're just meeting somebody for the first time having love, men, don't try and enter woman too fast. Give her time to warm up because her sexual energy warms slower. And um, yeah, just to be, be more present, you know, not too much on a program, not going for like trying to stimulate her too fast and so on. Because the more excited woman is, the more difficult it is man to sustain himself in terms of ejaculation. I mean, ideally, one would need to educate oneself a little bit in the sense of um, read a book or two, you know, <laughs> because it's not all coming from natural or go to a course or basically inform oneself. This is a journey. So people start and I can imagine that they're evolving over years. Could you give us some kind of idea once, once people kind of set off on this journey? Do you see them changing a lot over time? Does it take a long time or is it, could you give us some idea of what happens? Yeah, um, really, it, it is something that extends really forward into the rest of your life, if that is your wish, because it brings such a qualitative change to one's life. One is so much more harmonious with oneself, with your partner, with your family, with your job, much more creative. And the feedback, I mean, I know for my life what it did, but, you know, what I hear from couples, how much simpler things became. In terms of communication, like their relationships, you mean? Yes, simpler, more flowing, more easy, their life in general, their relationships, their communications, much less emotionality, much less fighting, because we do deal with that in our courses. It's, it's funny that it seems that a lot of the fights, the conflicts, there's often a sexual dimension behind them. Is that something you see or you would assume? Yes. No, most problems come down to a sexual problem. Right. In terms of sexual miscommunication. 
miscommunication, but also misunderstanding because we don't know that men and women are so different from each other. Things like loss of interest, you know, this kind of thing. Women, like I said earlier, women are not in, disinterested in sex. It's just after a while the body goes, goes, oh, well, it's hardly worth it. But if woman is really given time for her body to waken and women's sexual energy is raised through her breasts, not her clitoris. And this is a huge misunderstanding. Uh, women's body actually, that's why she needs time because it's through the breasts that that accesses the deeper receptivity of the vagina. And I'm not talking about stimulating nipples and this kind of stuff. I'm talking about women entering her breasts, being in her breasts, men loving a woman's breasts. So her, her being aware, more, more present in her breasts and feeling them? And yes. Right, because this is something I, I did pick out from your book and I found, I found interesting. So you feel a greater awareness of the breasts and, and so you say guys not stimulating the breasts. What do you mean in terms of the guys' interaction? Well, guys often will go to women's breasts. They know it makes a woman horny, but they will just like go for the nipples right away. Then after a while, what happens to women is they cannot stand their breasts to be touched. Also, if a woman's done a lot of breastfeeding, she might have the same thing. How to say, that's like a short fuse. But the thing is just to put a, a man really to just hold a woman's breasts with love. Raise them a little bit. Don't squash them from the top. Pick them up from underneath. And just to channel love and energy into them. And this helps a woman open to herself and uh, to her own body and so on. When you say when you say channel love and energy into them, is that just focusing his attention on them? or Yeah, being present. It's not a doing, it's just like feeling the warmth, feeling the texture, just being there. Then, of course, love is transmitted in those moments. So when, when a guy is in this mode of, of paying attention and he's really in the moment of enjoying her breasts, that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Rather than, because you were talking earlier about, we were talking a minute ago about him kind of being goal-orientated. He's trying to stimulate them to get a response from the girl versus being in the moment and enjoying her breasts and enjoying his interest in them and stroking them and so on. Yeah, that is very different. That's not goal-oriented. It's understanding that, oh, wow, this part in woman is how, it's her life-giving pole. Just as the male pole, the perineum, the penis, everything, that's the life-giving pole creates semen. In woman, the life-giving pole sustains life. So this is where woman's energy is raised. It's also connected to the heart. The main thing is for man not to focus on woman's clitoris as a way of opening her and getting her turned on. Leave the clitoris alone. <laughs> I love that. Leave the clitoris alone. Yeah. Rather come to the breasts, rather go into kissing. You can also suck the breasts, but again, not in this horny style, more like in an innocent childlike way. Yeah, and rather than stroke, just really hold them, not squeeze them, but um, basically help a woman to shift her focus up also, because women are also very interested in the clitoris. And it's so interesting that 30% of women have never had an orgasm, and 70% of women have never had orgasm during penetration. And this is because we've shifted outside the woman's body. Like, so most women who have an orgasm, nothing to do with the penis and the vagina, is to do with the stimulation of the clitoris. But really the deeper experiences, the more delicious experiences, they come from penis in vagina. And if we start to play with the clitoris in the beginning, we disturb the vagina. She becomes hungry, horny, demanding. And this also totally affects man's erections as well. It affects his capacity to be a conduit. Important to realize is that woman's energy raises from the breast, not the clitoris. And rather, when man enters woman, 
to go in slowly and he will feel the difference between going into an open vagina and a welcoming vagina than a, a horny, excited vagina. And there is something I have to tell you. I hope I'm not talking too much. This is interesting. <laughs> is that, you know, over the years I've been teaching, now look, Tantra is not glue, it's awareness. So there are couples who have been with me who have separated for whatever reason. Sometimes people have too much past or whatever. It doesn't matter. People do separate. But you know what started to happen? People started to come back with a new partner. But do you know who came back? The men. If a hundred men have come back with their new partners, maybe 20 women have come back with their new partners. So they separated because I'm, I'm guessing one person opened up more to your teachings? Whatever. Um, There's 101 reasons why people separate. But the point I'm trying to make is that people do come back because they find it of value. But who comes back is the men because they find it to be so tremendously valuable to start to make love in a different way. And they want to let their woman, new woman, know as soon as possible that this alternative exists. Because when a man is received by a woman, this is like something totally different to you know, just this um, back and forth, friction, sensation style thing. So do you think there's, there's also the bias, like men tend to take charge and lead more often? They might feel more comfortable asking someone to come to a course. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And it's really like this, you know, women are so afraid to lose a man. When they get a man, they're so afraid. Right. Especially in the sexual field, they want to please a man. And as women, that's one of our biggest um how to say disturbances is that we're very hooked up on pleasing man because we're just afraid if he doesn't like what we do, he's going to go around the corner and find someone who will. Yeah, I was going to say, like, as I was thinking about this earlier, I've had problems in the past where I, I didn't come with a girl I was with and she would get upset about it and drama and, and, and stuff would ensue because she was upset about it. And it's difficult to convince her that you're interested in her and, and you love her because... Again, we, we go back to this goal orientation of, of most people where there's no orgasm, then I'm not happy with you. Well, it's like this with women. There's a deep conditioning that when a man comes, he gives himself to you. So when he doesn't, then he's holding something back. But the funny thing is the opposite is true. When he doesn't come, he is giving himself to you. <laughs> so this is something that women have to see. But actually for man to come again and again and again is disempowering. It eats at the fabric of love and the harmony. And um, so women are equally conditioned as men. But, you know, as men are conditioned in performance and putting the whole act together, women are like pleasing him, saying, yes, let, you can come into my body now when I'm not ready. Women have pain during sex. They will never say it's painful because they're afraid to say it's painful, not nice. I realize you've said a couple, a couple of things that I'm not sure I understand. Never mind the people at home. So um, you said there's a difference between a horny vagina and one that welcomes you. What does that mean? Well, you see, if you go to magnetics, inner magnetics, and it's something you know, I've touched on briefly, is this basically we like a magnet on the inside. We have a positive pole and an energy-raising pole and an absorbing pole. That's how the planet is. That's how humans are. So we have, and that's the tantric design, is there's like an inner magnet in every individual. Now, in women, her energy-raising pole, like I explained before, is the breasts. That's her life-giving pole. That's her positive pole. Her receptive pole is the vagina. Man is the converse. 
His energy-raising pole is the penis. His receptive pole is the chest and the heart. When I talk about women's breasts, I'm also talking about the heart. So this means that male sexual energy is raised very quickly. Boom, men are ready for sex. Women is not like that. Because her energy is raised over the breasts, she really needs time before she feels that she wants man to enter her. So when man gives time and woman understands how she is, and also the clitoris is left more in the background, the vagina then becomes, how to say, receptive, really can has the power, and it's a, receptivity is a power, the power to absorb and move the male energy through her. Does that mean it's more relaxed? I've seen where in other programs and stuff where the women learn to relax their vagina muscles more versus having tense, which isn't the same as it being tight, which I think most men can relate to, you know, a vagina being tight and dry where she's not at all ready versus wet and open. And then we're talking about something else here, right? Though. Yes, yes. I'm also talking about, you know, a lot of women do consciously tighten the vagina to make it the stimulation. So that is not necessary. That woman should not do. Right. So we're talking about in, in terms of being accepting, she's, she's more, more relaxed or her muscles in her vagina will be more relaxed. Yes. But it's more like when the energy, it's like we, we're a magnet, you know, energy is raised in the positive pole. It filters down. It opens the tissues in the negative pole of the vagina. Then she, the vagina has the capacity to, to absorb male energy, male vitality, to let it move through her. But if it's just on the superficial level, getting horny, excited, the vagina is no longer receptive. She's changed her whole quality. So that's what I mean by when a woman's hungry and horny, the vagina will have a demanding quality, a hungry quality. It sounds to me like letting uh, down your emotional walls, or like feeling the connection from when someone enters you in a vagina so that she's, she's really feeling it rather than just a stimulation. Letting it get to her emotions, accessing her emotions, you know, instead of having her defenses up and keeping it superficial. Yes, and that certainly will happen through being more conscious. If a man enters woman consciously, honestly, her, she opens. But it is good if man doesn't be too in a hurry to enter woman. The more time she can have, the more ultimately it will be beneficial to man himself. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of guys can relate to that. It's also to do with the anticipation, also the whole experience of it. The longer it goes on, it tends to be the better the quality of sex and the experience. Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, this has been a very interesting chat, um, Diana. Oh, great, Angel. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. I got a few, a few more questions to round off. And the first of which is just to help people find you. Are you on Twitter? Where do you hang out? Where can people connect with you? Um, actually on my website, livinglove.com. All right, cool. So they just go there and... Or loveforcouples.com. All right, cool. Very straightforward. Find you there. But it's a safe site. Yeah, and there they can contact me, but I don't have Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Who besides yourself would you recommend for advice in this area? Have you learned from people? Are there people you've come across who you value there? The... The, the sources that I, w that I used were uh, Osho, uh, Indian spiritual master, and Barry Long, an Australian spiritual master. Both are deceased. This, honestly, weird to say this, but there's, I don't know anybody working in the same way that my partner and I are working because we are working primarily with awareness, not technique. So that's what's unusual about what we do. We do have people trained, like in the UK, we have a couple trained to teach our work. In Germany, we have two couples. In Australia, we, we have a couple. In France, we have a couple. 
So there are people who will be able to continue or are continuing the work also once I... Um... We, don't want, we don't want to think about that. <laughs> I'm talking about retiring or, or something worse, I think. Um, so moving on. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so a final question. We ask this of everyone. What would be your top three recommendations to guys to start down this path? What would be the first three steps you would recommend that they take uh, as simple as simple as possible? First of all, to be more focused on yourself and not so focused on the other. And that what I mean is to have more body awareness, uh, to look how you're standing, what you're doing with your arms, just to be more present in your body. Stand on two legs, keep softening the body, have eye contact, speak from the present moment, don't tell too many stories. When you say don't tell too many stories, does that mean fibs and lies? And No, I think um, sometimes people talk a lot telling each other stories rather than kind of communicate out of the present. So like this happened to me the other day or like uh, have you seen what's going on here and telling a story about that versus I'm feeling this, you know, this is where I am right now. That's my stab at what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, try as much, you know, like to talk about yourselves in the moment or the situation. But otherwise, I know that I've spent hours with men and men are just talking. I know women are, are known for talking, but I find men talk a lot. Not all. It's interesting. <laughs> but sometimes they just talk and 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 talk. And you go like, hello. What helps is to ask a question about a person. Okay, you might be asking about their past, you know, where they're from, the childhood. Try and talk in the moment more rather than just relate stories. Be more real. Yeah, be more real. That's right. And, you know, not to have an agenda. Women feel an agenda. And the more slow you can go with a woman, the better. Sense of humor is really good. And kissing is more important for a woman often than sex. So it's really good to develop the art of kissing um, with not with tongue but with lips and that is just so amazing you can sustain a lip kiss for hours and hours <laughs> yeah that's that's good advice some some good points there I, i've come across the, the the importance of kissing thing um, before in some of my relationships where i basically like the, the girls said i stood out because of the kissing and they really really felt that was a special part whereas guys we always think about the sex Yes, yes. Um, and, yes. And that dimension. And we don't often think about the kissing. Yeah. For many women, kissing is more intimate than, than sex. They'll have sex with a guy before they kiss a guy, necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, you wanna, if they want to keep it cold, right? That's well known. Anyway, so that uh, kissing, lip kissing is definitely something. <laughs> okay, Angel. It's been great. Yes. Thank you so much for your time, Dano. Welcome. All the best. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.